You are listening to a podcast from Influence Church. We hope it encourages and empowers you to make a difference in your world for the kingdom of God. For any more information, visit our website, influencechurch.co.uk. Enjoy the message. Yes, so my name is Pete and I am a community manager here at Influence Church and it is my joy and privilege to play a part in our food bank and our community outreach projects. We as a church, we pride ourselves on a few things, but one is that we are one church in five locations and the other side of things is that we are a church that is relevant, that is alive and is active in the communities that we serve And seeing our church at work in the community is such an amazing and incredible thing to see. I think the one thing I loved before, and I think I always love about Barnard Castle, is the enthusiasm of the people here to see God's kingdom become this town's reality. The fact that in that prayer time, in that worship time before, Pastor Maddie just gets up and starts to share about getting us to pray for this town is brilliant, it's encouraging, and it's fantastic to see. But it's only good if it comes out of this place. The reality is, is that God will do anything, Matthew 9, somewhere in Matthew 9, I don't know the exact lining of it, but Jesus turns to a a man whose son is possessed by a demon. Don't worry, we're not going down the exorcism route with this, It's, it's all good. But Jesus turns to him and says, all things are possible for those who believe. All things are possible for those who believe. And with that, we've got to have a faith to see what we declare, what we prophesy in these church meetings become a reality in our town. And that only happens when we actually believe it ourselves and convict ourselves to be the hands and feet in the processes of how that comes to pass as well. So my my encouragement to you, I guess, before I've even started this message is get involved with what God is doing in this town. Get involved with what God is doing in this community because when we as a church unite and go out into this world, nothing can stand against us. Nothing can stop. Any stronghold the enemy throws, any barrier, any issue, anything can be overcome in the name of Jesus. And so as a church, we've always got a hold fast onto that, that God is going to do something amazing and incredible in and through us, not just as a church, but as individuals as well. So come on, church, that's a truth for you there, and it's a truth that we should all take stock of. That's not my message at all, but all I want to talk about today is a passage of Scripture from the book of John, chapter 1, specifically. I love this passage of Scripture, but I love the book of John in general. I tend to like odd things. Like things that don't match up with everything else. It drives my wife crazy because if we go on holiday, if we go traveling anywhere and we're looking in you know, souvenir shops or places that sell odd trinkets and things like that, I always look at things and go, that would look really nice in our house, wouldn't it, babe? And she looks at me, she's like, no, it doesn't even match. It's like, it doesn't even get close to, like, sometimes it'll get to a point where I'll be like holding something. We've got this crystal at our house and don't worry, we're not like new age spiritualists or anything like that, but we've got like this geode crystal in our house. I saw when we were on our honeymoon and I was adamant it was coming home with us. And then I saw the price tag and I was like, oh no, I shouldn't have said that, but it was okay because we're on our honeymoon. You can get away with things like that at that point. And we regretted it for six months afterwards, but it came back with us and now sits in our bathroom. Well, it did sit in our bathroom until our lovely dog decided to knock it over. And the, the reality is, is that things are sometimes a little bit different 
in my opinion, my wife would probably call me a heretic for this, sometimes give us a fresh perspective of seeing things. Sometimes give us a fresh vision on things. And that's what we find with the book of John. It's a non-synoptic gospel. So the other three, when you read them, they all tell a similar story. They go along a similar sort of trajectory and arrive at the same conclusion. To be honest, this book arrives at the same conclusion as well. But the journey that, that the book of John takes is sometimes a little bit more descriptive. It's a little bit more articulate in places where the others maybe aren't. And it's fascinating to see and read because we see so much of the character of Jesus presented in the book of John that we sometimes miss in the others. Initially, what we see is the way that John describes Jesus. He starts it off almost similar to the book of Genesis in the way that he's written it. You can tell he's taken his time to think about it because he starts his gospel off with, in the beginning, same word for word pretty much as Genesis starts off, in the beginning, the word was with God and the word was God and presents the fact that the word of God is a powerful and relevant scripture that is as powerful as God is himself as it's part of the nature and spirit of God. Fast forward a few verses and he turns around and says Jesus was the word made flesh. Straight off the bat presents the divinity of Jesus as part of the triune, if you want the theological term, as part of the triune spirit of God in the earliest parts of his scripture. He talks of the character and the nature of him, then goes on to show over the course of days and similar, very much still to the book of Genesis, goes, and the next day, and the next day, and the next day, and all the way through, presenting more and more of the character, divinity, and personability of Jesus on this journey through the first chapter. It's not even until the second chapter that we see the miraculous nature of Jesus presented. I think John is really intentional within that because actually the personable character, the nature and character and the, sorry, the natural character and even the divine character of Jesus are far more important than some of the miraculous stuff that we will then see later on. It's not what Jesus can do, but who Jesus is that's significant. So often, church, I think we can lose that in the process and in the journey of faith. I think often we can get to a point in our faith, and I pray that this never happens to any of you. It certainly happened to me a few, a couple of years ago where I was like believing more in what Jesus could do for me than who he was as a saviour and, and as the son of God. The trouble is, is that when we believe in Jesus as as the saviour, we're going we're gonna to have a relationship. We're going to have a covenant. We're going to have salvation with him. When we're believing in him for what he can do for us, it becomes a party trick that really isn't anything significant. And we lose the significance and the glory of who Jesus is in that moment. And we never, ever want to arrive at that conclusion. But I think in the journey of faith, often we can find ourselves up and down, journeying through times of extreme of closeness to Jesus and times of distance and frustration almost. And I think if, if we're being honest, it's worth addressing those kind of things, especially if we're in a location and we're in a town where we're believing for God to do significant and powerful things. We need to sometimes address the spirit at work in us first so that then he can go out and work through us in other places. You know, if there's no good being a broken vessel that can hold none of the goodness if it all pours out of you before you've even had a chance to speak to someone. I, I've met some Christians uh, over the course of, of my time in church and you've heard them speak about the nature and the character of God and you're like, are you saved? Like, you ask that question because you're like, you seem really angry. And like, it, it worries me because you're like... You hear people sometimes and they'll be talking about how great things are, but they're like, but yeah, it's just such a drag being here sometimes. And you're like, 
Right, okay, that's, uh, that's your opinion, that's great. But uh, the same thing, how, where's the Holy Spirit in all of that? And actually, we never want to be like that. Sometimes we'll find ourselves saying things that we look back on later and think, my goodness, did that really come out of my mouth? But the beauty and the reality is, is that although we can fall so far short of where God wants us to be, although we can make some heinous and horrendous mistakes, God actually still loves us. He still wants to use us. He still has a plan and a purpose for us. And he still wants to restore us to be everything he has planned and in store for us too. And we see a lot of this in a guy called Nathaniel towards the back end of the, goth, the first chapter of John. And we see Jesus call Nathaniel, and then we see a little bit of an interaction around it. I'm going to read it now, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to get right into this. So reading from verse 43, it says this. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth. There's an exclamation mark there. Um, Can anything good come from there, Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. He then added, very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Lord God, I just pray right now that you would speak to us afresh today. Lord, speak to us through your word. Speak to us through your Holy Spirit. Give us an understanding of where and what it is you want us to be doing. Lord, let us, let us be blessed as we go out and make a difference in our world and in our communities as well, be in your hands and your feet as well. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. We see so much in this passage of Scripture of the character of Jesus. We see presented in this moment his ministry, both spiritual and personable, all at the same time. We see the divine move in the way that Jesus declares things that, that Philip would almost think was impossible for him to know or impossible for him to see, whilst at the same time maintaining an entirely relatable and human approach to it. That speaks volumes to the nature and character of Jesus. Jesus is, of course, many things. He's the Son of God. He's the King of Kings. He's the change that we all so desperately need but one thing that Jesus is also whilst being completely divine is be is human as well completely divine and completely human at the same time and that's in his humanity more often than not is where we find our relatability to him you think the fact that Jesus walked and talked on this earth, lived a human life, felt human emotions, eventually endured the scorn and the shame and the agonizing pain of the cross for our sins, all stems from his human nature, all stems that he could receive and feel those things because of his human nature, which in turn makes him, as part of the Trinity, the relatable character within that. 
The one that understands us because he's walked like us and he's taught like us and he's thought like us as well. So that when we press into the presence of God, Jesus is the one. He's the way, the bridge almost to heaven. Well, the bridge definitely to heaven for us in our relationship with him. In this passage of scripture, though, we see Nathaniel as well. And I think Nathaniel is an interesting character. He's a, it's very easy to think of him in this scripture and think he's a bit of an idiot. He's someone who's maybe a little bit negative and a little bit almost bad-minded almost in the way that he presents himself before he's even encountered Jesus. But I think Nathaniel can serve as a great mirror for all of us when we are in the presence of God. The fact is that before Nathaniel entered the presence of God, he was critical and he was skeptical as well. He was frustrated maybe. He was the kind of person who was asking questions of saying, well, what good could possibly come of, uh, from Nazareth? But he was also, when in the presence of Jesus, the one who was changed and transformed and delivered into the person that he was meant to be. And the same thing can happen for us. When we put ourselves in Nathaniel's shoes and get into the presence of Jesus like that, transformation can take place in a moment. The reality is, though, sometimes it takes a little bit longer. Sometimes there are journeys we have to go on. Sometimes there are things that we have to overcome and things we have to face. But when we encounter Jesus, he is the precursor to all change in our lives for the good because he is good himself. I'm completely lost in my notes. I've been rambling, so bear with me two seconds. Um, where are we going? So, it's great, isn't it, that we see the who before the what. It's great that we see the nature and the character of Jesus presented within this. But today, specifically, I want to look at how Jesus sees us and how we see him too. Because in this passage of Scripture, there is a whole lot of seeing going on. You've got Jesus seeing Nathaniel, Nathaniel seeing Jesus for who he truly is. Jesus saying, you will see greater things than, than this. There's a lot, of, a lot of seeing going on here. So I feel that there is a significance within that. And I just want to unpack that over the course of just three really simple points that I'll unpack. And the first one of these is simply this. It's Jesus sees us not as we are, but who, as who we are. Jesus sees us not as we are, but who we are. Ah, I, I'm so interested by that, que that initial question of Nathaniel saying what good could come from Nazareth because there's a historical context to it. There was tr historically in the time of Jesus, there was a Roman army fort positioned at Nazareth and quite often the troops would leave there and go and wreak havoc and chaos across the, um, across the local region and so there would have been a bit of resentment over the location, but I feel that that's not just what Nathaniel's getting at here, because that's not just the, the attitude that he's presenting. Realistically speaking, if you're presented in a hopeless and frustrating and dire situation and someone presents you with hope, you're not going to then question sometimes the source of that hope or the authenticity of it. But we do see that in Nathaniel, but indeed we see it in ourselves so often too. Nathaniel's initial skepticism is one thing, but I think often, and as I, as I look back on myself, and I think whenever you write a, a, a message for a Sunday service, or even for, for any kind of event, for whether it's youth ministry or, or Sundays or wherever, I think you often find a lot of time you look inwardly at things that you've been through and things you've journeyed through. And I certainly see myself in Nathaniel's shoes in the past. I have certainly wrestled with doubt and, and frustration and disappointment and all manner of different things but the, the reality is is that that is normal 
If anyone ever comes to you and says, well, if you're a Christian and you, you, can't, poss- you can possibly, can't possibly ever doubt again, you can't possibly ever get frustrated, you can't ever possibly question anything, point them to the Bible, point them to disciples who denied Jesus, point them to people like Thomas who doubted the return of the Messiah, even when presented with face-to-face evidence in front of Jesus. The, the reality is they had an awful lot more to go on than we did, and yet they doubted too. So we can see a, a reality that sometimes we will doubt, sometimes we will be frustrated. One thing that sometimes keeps me up at night is when we see God move powerfully in our youth program. I can sometimes find myself sitting up at night thinking, God, are you really in this? Or have we just hyped this up too much? And that line of thinking, whilst it sounds wise and almost prudent to do your due diligence on it, systematically will tear down every good thing that God has created. That's not saying go into everything blind and just act like it's sunshine, rainbows and lollipops. The reality is that there is a balance to be struck between these two things that sometimes we've just got to celebrate the things of God. When we see someone saved and transformed, we don't need to look at everything under a microscope to say this is exactly how it is. To be honest, the nature of the kingdom of God is completely unmanageable for us as people to get a rhythm to because actually God does things that we don't even understand. God blesses people in ways that we can't even quantify. God blesses people when we think, well, that's just unfair because there's someone stood right next to him that deserves so much more, and yet he's getting that? That's ridiculous. And yet, if we systematically stand there and judge everything like that, all we do in the process is we don't gain greater understanding. What we gain is greater skepticism and greater frustration and greater disappointment, none of which are characteristics of the kingdom of God. God asks us to be faithful to him. God asks us to trust in him always. God asks asks of us to have a belief and a faith. And faith itself is the faith in things that have not yet come to pass. So if we don't know what's coming, then we have no position to be commenting on it. Kind of like the weather people, really, when you think about them. They, They have not no idea, have they? Recently, my house flooded. And I've got a relatively newly built house. And it was all kinds of conversations with the builder because it was like, why is a newly built house flooding? But when I looked at the weather and I looked on my iPhone to see what the weather was doing, it said sun. And then I looked in my kitchen and I was like, that ain't sunny. I don't even have to look outside. And sometimes that can be us is that we can put such a false trust in what we think should be going on and should be happening. And if I'd have turned around to my wife at that point and said, babe, the iPhone app says sunny, so that ain't a flood, it's something else. She'd have thought I was completely insane. But the reality is, is that that's sometimes what we look like in the kingdom of God, where we're passing judgment and comment on things that we know nothing about on a a logic and on a basis of something that isn't even of the kingdom. And it's just nuts that we would even do that. I think sometimes, though, we find ourselves in distance from God because it's comfortable. Recently, and I don't know if Colleen has, has been here to preach her message recently. Johnny's nodding his head, so we'll go with that. And I don't know if she said these exact words, but she certainly did in Richmond when I heard it. She talked about the idea that people can get comfortable in captivity. And sometimes what we can do is we can find ourselves locked in almost with our sin, locked up and almost locked in where it, to a place where it's comfortable because to deal with it and to overcome it would be hard and it would be painful and it would be difficult. But the thing is, is that God calls us to a greater thing. God calls us to a greater purpose. God calls us in, to, to more than we can ever possibly understand in our own earthly way. But the reality is, is so often we'll present ourselves with the lie of God's disappointed with me. He couldn't possibly use me in this or he couldn't use me in this situation because it's easier. It's more comfortable. 
One of the interesting things we hear as um, me and my wife also have the joy of leading our youth ministry in Richmond. And I really enjoy standing on the door at Elevate. Because there's sometimes you'll get kids from the community that like maybe just testing Elevate out or like sussing it out to see what it's all about, what's going on. And they'll come sort of to the door of church and they'll be like, that looks pretty cool. They've got LED lights that flash. And well, I hope that that's what they think because we spent quite a bit of money on them. Uh, If not, then uh, wrong generation. We'll just move them up a few years. But we we get kids that sometimes turn around and just say like, I couldn't go in that building because it's a church. And if I walk into a church, I'd catch on fire because I've done so many bad things in my life. And that sounds utterly ridiculous. Like it does in some senses, but actually, there's an element of truth in that, that sometimes we can think similar things, not quite as extreme as that. I think teenagers have got a real talent for blowing things up to the extreme. Like and nearly 10 years of youth ministry, I can guarantee that that's the truth. Um, most teenage fires can be put out with a watering can, yet they'd think they need a full fire, fire service to come and deal with them. Um, but... The, what they say in their most extreme explanation of something is actually probably true of all of us in some way, shape, or form, that we lock into this idea that God's disappointed with me. I can't be used by the kingdom. I couldn't do something great for God because I've, done, because I've made mistakes in my past. But the reality is, is it's far from that. Romans 5 verse 8 says this, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners... Christ died for us. Notice the really important words in that. While we were still sinners. Not when your life's gone back together. Not when you've managed to sort everything out. Not when your marriage is on track and it looks perfect and looks like something out of one of those TV shows that everything's always brilliant in. Not when everything's perfect. Not when you've reached a certain standard of holiness. And trust me, if you're waiting to reach a certain standard of holiness, you're going to be waiting a long time because it never, ever comes. But when we were still sinners, and that's magnificent, because the reality is, is that while we were still in our mess, while we were still idiots, while we were still doing really stupid things, while we were still so far from God, he saw the saved soul underneath and saw enough of it to say that person is worth dying for. And second point is this, is that Jesus sees us long before we see him. Jesus' statement to Nathaniel of, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you, isn't Jesus being like this really able-bodied like spy running onto the, op- the hill a couple of miles over with a pair of binoculars and like spying on Philip under the fig tree because, one, binoculars weren't invented until at least the 1800s. So, you know, like it's not possible. Um, but it's, not, it's got nothing to do with a physical understanding of Philip, but actually it's got everything to do with a spiritual understanding of who Philip was. And the reality of it is this is massive because Jesus saw Philip before he'd even physically seen him. It also means for us that we don't have to be face-to-face with Jesus for him to see us either. Jeremiah 1 verse 5 backs this up completely. It says this, before I ever formed you, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart and I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Now, the the first part of this is so key because it says that before we'd even drawn our first breath, before we'd even become little tiny baby humans in this world, you can tell I haven't done fatherhood yet, can't you? Um, (laughs) 
it's something that seems to come up all the time. I don't know if it's just because I'm getting to like 30 and now all of a sudden everyone's like, you're not a dad yet, you will be soon. Like, we, we haven't had a real big planning session on it. And I feel like we need some more consultation before the local church starts telling us when we're having babies. Just throwing that in there. Um, but it's true. You'd be amazed at what people say to you. Like, honestly, Colleen turned around to me the other day and literally went, this will be Emily soon, and then just gestured to her tummy. And I was like, it, it won't, I don't think, but okay. Um, it's mad, isn't it? But... I, Dear me, this, this shows the depth of God's commitment to us, doesn't it? That before we were even born, he had a plan for us. He had a plan. And you know what? God's plans always seek to prosper us. Jeremiah 29, 11, I've got plans for you. The plans I have for you to prosper you, not to harm you. And all manner of other scriptures you'll find in the Bible talk about that God's plan for us is so much more significant than anything we could ever imagine. We even sing it in worship. We sing that song where we say, your way is greater, your way is better, because God's way is greater, it's better. It's better than anything we could ever imagine. Often, I think the way I see it is, my idea of getting from A to B is probably doing all of these different ideas and steps and problem solving and dealing with this and putting out this fire and doing that and all of this. And sometimes God just comes in to our lives and his plan, bless you, is for the, it's just a straight line that we could never have even quantified because there's gaps and problems and issues all the way along it. But actually God makes a way in ways that we can never even fathom or understand. The reality is though that Nathaniel's idea of who Jesus could be was met with skepticism and negativity and it's heartbreaking to see and even more so when you realize it's not an isolated incident in the ministry of Jesus time after time after time he's persecuted the Pharisees pick up stones to stone him for healing on a Sabbath they call him a heretic they label him as a false prophet they call him all manner of different things and even then you think that's bad because people are far away from him have got that opinion then his own disciples his friends those he's done life and ministry would start to turn their backs on him at his darkest hour all the way through the gospel we see this idea of people losing their faith losing their distance but Jesus had seen them long before and he knew that there was a plan after that as well so we can stand on the promise that when we mess up it's still part of God's plan somewhat, that God isn't done with us yet, that actually there's more that God's got for us, even when we feel that we have screwed up so monumentally that it's, it's, un, it's unthinkable to see that where God would take us. I lose count, I genuinely lose count of the times where I have to go into Ben and Gail's office and be like, I've got something I need to tell you. You might be a little bit cross. And like... I had to do one this week, and they then turned around like, actually, we want to take you out to Weatherspoons. And in my head, I was just like, no, 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 you don't want to take me to Spoons, because if I have to tell you this before we eat food, like, this is just going to be so bad. But (laughs) there's times where I make mistakes, and I feel, I think that trepidation I can feel having to speak to my senior leaders is the same, that actually... We can sometimes feel like that in front of Jesus as well, that like, they're gonna, I'm going to be in trouble for this. I'm going to get, something's going to happen, something bad, or I'm going to be punished, or there's going to be issues. When actually, none of, the, none of that applies. Jesus just wants us as we are in his presence, being honest and open and, and teachable. Because when we can let the Holy Spirit into our lives and let him lead us, guide us, and counsel us, 
There is so much significant stuff that can happen for us. And that looks like change. That looks like transformation. If we look at Nathaniel, when he, rec- when he got in front of Jesus in his presence and allowed Jesus to speak into him, he was transformed. He went from a skeptic to someone who then was just looking at him going, you are the Messiah, you are the King of Israel. And if it can happen like that for him, it can do so for us as well. Sometimes all it takes is that one encounter for the transformation to completely take place. And final point as, we, as, as the band, if you want to join me, is simply this, is you will see greater things than this. That passage of scripture at the end where Jesus says, you'll see greater things than this, is a promise and a fulfillment of prophecy as well. If you rewind all the way back to, I believe it's Genesis 28. I'm just going to quickly look. You can ask me to clarify that at another point if uh, I can't find it now. It's in there somewhere. But I'm fairly sure it's Genesis 28 verses 10 to 21. Jacob has a dream. This holds right back to the, the Old Testament. And Jacob's dream is that as he lays his head down, God gives him a vision of a ladder or a staircase bridging the gap from earth to heaven. And he gives a promise to Jacob in that time that wherever you set your foot, the, you'll have that as land for, for your people and your nation will grow and it will be blessed. And when Jesus turns to Nathaniel and says, you'll see angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man. If you've got a reference style Bible, it'll actually link these two things together. It's Jesus fulfilling the prophecy to Nathaniel. To Nathaniel. He's saying, actually, you know what? What Jacob once dreamed that would happen, that God's kingdom would become man's reality, through me, that will take place. Through Jesus, the bridge between heaven and earth will be realized. And we need to take a hold of that in our own lives, that actually Jesus is the bridge. He's the way maker. He's the key to those greater things. We can read this on the surface and think, well, maybe greater things for Nathaniel meant health, wealth, and prosperity. But they aren't the things that Jesus is talking about here. Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God, the only real message that he ever preached in his whole ministry. The kingdom of God becoming man's reality. You'll see greater things in this when you ha- access the bridge between heaven and earth, which is Christ Jesus. John 14 verse 6 says this, I am the way, is Jesus talking, the truth and the life. Nobody gets to the Father except through me. I think for many of us in this room, we already know that as a truth and reality. As I look around this room, I think there's many of you given your lives to Jesus. As I look around, there's many of you that have lived long, faith-filled lives, who've been a, a voice of testimony into me, who've shaped the, the faith of this generation. A lot of us on stage that are in like millennials and somewhat younger sometimes have been shaped by the testimonies that you guys have shared. And the reality is, is that those testimonies come from an acceptance of knowing that the only way to true salvation is through a relationship with Jesus. The world is an awful place at the moment. It really is. There are so many voices shouting and screaming and asking for our attention. So many places where you could possibly go to find health, to find ways of generating wealth, to find ways of being prosperous in your life. And they'll promise you the world and they'll deliver realistically very 
little because actually the only way to true freedom, the only way to true salvation, the only way to an eternity in a relationship with Jesus is through salvation. They're talking about it in Hero Factory right now that when you put on the helmet of salvation, I think it's from Ephesians, the armor of God, Ephesians 6, uh, you'll find it in there, that when you put on the helmet of salvation that everything changes. What an amazing thing for our young people to be learning age 4 to 11. What an amazing thing for those guys to be hearing. But it's a truth for us as well that when we're saved, we're delivered from all manner of different things. And the only way there is through Jesus. Sometimes we need to recommit ourselves to the gospel. Sometimes we can get so jaded. And as someone who, I, who honestly, I, I think my life could be defined as a yo-yo sometimes because I am up and I'm down and I'm left and I'm right and I'm all over the place. And you might have clocked that from the pattern of my thinking in this message tonight. But the reality is, is that so often we can find ourselves far from God. And that's not his plan for us. But what we have to do in those moments is not just sit back and wait for God to turn up to carry us back into his presence the reality is Jesus won't usually do that he's not going to grab you by the wrist and drag you back into repentance because actually that's not authentic of us saying to God I need you in my life that's not authentic of us to be that's not authentic of God's promises that's not the reality of the kingdom of God the reality of the kingdom of God is that when we come into God's presence with a repentant heart and a firm steadfast belief that he will change everything for us that he can lead us into his presence the difference is is that consumers or people who consume their faith in that way will wait until God turns up and often be left at the wayside but a disciple or someone who is a true follower of Jesus or someone who knows God in that way will desire him back in their lives that when they fall down they'll look and go well this is temporary but God is eternal but salvation is eternal. But this might be a distraction, but actually there's greater for me ahead than there is behind. And so as we come to a close tonight, I guess I just want to offer an opportunity if we'd all just be respectful of one another and just close our eyes and bow our heads for a moment. If you feel, I guess twofold, if you've never given your life to Jesus before and you think, well, I've heard this tonight and I just want to see change in my situation I want to be I feel like I need that moment of encounter with Jesus it's going to bring about freedom and transformation for me then if that's you in this place tonight then I guess I want you to yeah you can raise your hand but also for people who've been in a long-standing faith who've been journeying through this for a number of years sometimes we can get jaded too we can find that we've fallen off the horse so to speak and if you feel that that's you as well then just in this last couple of moments of this message if you want to raise your hand and there's just me looking and the only reason I'm looking is so I know who to pray for in this place then that would be great amazing that's awesome Father God, I thank you for these raised hands, Lord. We just pray for for these people, Lord, that your spirit would move mightily in them, Lord. And we pray over each and every one of us, Lord, let us not become tired of doing good. Let us not become tired of being your hands and your feet. Let us not become 
like Nathaniel, where we become skeptical of your kingdom. But instead, Lord, we, I just pray right now a spirit of renewed joy over each and every one of us, Lord, that as we journey through our faith with you, Lord, that you would give us the joy of the Lord as the thing that sustains us, that carries us, that moves us forward, Lord. I just pray that over each and every one of us in this place right now. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Influence Church. For any more information, visit our website, influencechurch.co.uk. Influence Church, empowering you to make a difference in your world for the kingdom of God.